chapter six of recollections of a missionary in the great west by cyrus townsend brady this librivox recording is in the public domain one day i was seated in the station at medicine lodge awaiting the train i was reading intently and was absorbed in my book but i noticed a cowboy walking about the room eyeing me evidently desiring to be sociable he finally stopped before me saying good morning stranger what might you be a doin i am reading i answered what are you readin a book on evolution what's evolution he asked curiously herbert spencer's famous definition was on the page before my eyes and without a second's hesitation i read it off in the most rapid manner evolution is an integration of matter and concomitant dissipation of motion during which the matter passes from an indefinite incoherent homogeneity to a definite coherent heterogeneity during which the retained motion undergoes a parallel transformation the effect was startling my god he cried and then he stepped backward in his tracks threw up his hands gazed at me with astonished eyes and with jaws dropping in amazement absolutely backed out of the room i think this is the only instance on record of a cowboy being held up by herbert spencer i left that town on the little rickety railroad which was the tenuous link connecting it with civilization just as a violent storm was arising before the train reached the junction point on the main line a way-station which rejoiced in the utterly incongruous name of attica a fully developed sandstorm was raging through the country it was midwinter and the thermometer dropped suddenly as the whirling masses of dust and sand came sweeping down from the north over the bare prairie it is impossible to describe adequately the thickness of the atmosphere no object could have been discerned at a distance exceeding the width of an ordinary street on account of the sand the train was stalled in a cut near the station by the mass of sand which filled the excavation almost up to the platforms of the cars and the engine died to face the swirling mass for any length of time was to have one's face cut to pieces it was impossible to force an engine through the sand and even a rotary snow-plough would have made no impression upon it whatever there was nothing to be done but to abandon the train and wait for the abatement of the storm and then dig it out with shovels the train hands and the few passengers made their way to a building called by courtesy a hotel which stood near the station the sand-storm died away in the course of the afternoon and was succeeded by a blizzard so that the sand heaps were covered by deep snow wires were down in every direction and trains blockaded all over the state the winter wheat had actually been blown out of the ground in many places it was deathly cold the landlord of the hotel with his wife and children occupied one room with a fire in it another was given to the women passengers of the train and that exhausted the tail of the rooms which were heated the house was so old that i could push aside the mop-board and thrust my foot out into the air through the rotten weather-boarding in the room which was allotted to me for sleeping there were no blankets on the bed which was of the variety known as shuck i lay down on the comfortable singular misnomer with all my clothes on including my shoes 
it was the first time i ever went to bed with my boots on and rolled myself up within its compass but it was absolutely impossible to sleep the cold was so intense so a little after midnight i arose went down to the office and kindled a fire i was joined presently by the rest of the men who had been similarly accommodated by the next morning the storm had died away leaving the ground covered with snow though the intense cold still continued there was illness in my family and as i was unable to communicate with them by telegraph i felt my presence at home was imperative by dint of much persuasion and the expenditure of almost all the money i had i succeeded in getting two horses and a sleigh with which to drive to the town whence i hoped the railroad might be open i was to leave the horses until called for i reached the town all right with one hand and part of my face frost-bitten took the train made another railroad connection ran into a drift tried it again and after two other similar experiences reached my destination five days late the family were all right when i got there snow blockades were frequent i was on a freight train one winter morning which pulled into a little siding to allow the overland limited to pass and proceed on its way there was a bit of woodland down the road out of which the track sprang in a rather sharp curve i stepped out of the caboose and stood on the little station platform to watch the express train go by i always do that i like to see it we could hear the roar of it a long distance over the prairie coming nearer and nearer suddenly like the thunderbolt itself it darted out of the screen of woodland whirled around the curve and rocking like a storm made for the station it passed by at a speed of more than fifty miles an hour a great train of pullman cars drawn by a splendid engine it split the air like a flash of lightning the ground fairly quivered under the weight of it the roar in our ears was appalling the dust swept by us as if from a cyclone the eye had scarcely time to realize its approach before the concussion of its passage stopped the breath almost before the roar had died away it was gone such a splendid exhibition of applied power and science i have not often seen as i stood there recovering my composure a little drop of snow drifted softly down and rested gently upon my cheek ah said i as i felt the cold touch looking after the train in vanishing perspective already far away this is that which masters you and before the night fell that avalanche of steel that modern embodiment of force and power was lying quiet and helpless its fires burnt out its life gone in the grasp of millions of tiny little crystals like that which had just caressed my cheek it was quite a diversion when blockaded by snow to get on the rotary plough at division headquarters and go out to open the road to see the great white masses of snow in the cuts looming up before you in the moonlight to push into it with the full strength and speed of the engine and see it fly to back off and continue the process until the way was clear the roads ran through walls of corn in summer and through walls of snow in winter i know not which were the most beautiful 
speaking of division headquarters reminds me that one day while i was waiting there to make a connection a young man came into the station looking utterly broken in body and spirit he was white nervous and shaking and he was feebly pulling a bicycle after him i happened to know him for he was a member of one of my mission stations up the state it seems that he had taken his wheel to make a journey of several hundred miles to inspect some land in which he was interested in the course of his journey he had crossed a very large prairie field which was broken about the middle by a high and unusual transverse ridge when he had climbed the ridge and mounted his wheel to proceed he noticed what the rise of ground had obscured from him that the field was filled with texas cattle grazing in little bunches of from ten to fifty just as he started one or two of the longhorns caught sight of him i presume as it was years ago the steers were not familiar with the machine in the country from which they came one bunch followed its leader over to investigate my young friend naturally accelerated his pace whereupon the cattle took after him presently other bunches caught the contagion of the pursuit and the cattle on that field indulged in a grand man-hunt fortunately the trail across it was straight and level and led directly to an immense gate the boy bent down over his wheel and pedalled for his life he could hear the bellowing of the cattle and the trampling of their feet behind him but he looked neither to the right nor the left he had no idea what he should do when he reached the gate all his mind was fixed upon one necessity to keep ahead he thinks he gained a little upon them and as providence would have it as he neared the gate he saw that it was open the road at that point took a sudden swerve ran along parallel to the side of the enclosing wall and then crossed the stockade through the heavy gate at a very acute angle he dashed through the opening like a flash of lightning lost his pedals as soon as he got outside darted along furiously for a short distance struck a rut or a rock was pitched off and lay senseless on the ground the man who owned the range opportunely happened to visit it at that moment he had seen the boy on the wheel had opened the gate to let him pass through and with one or two attendants had ridden in and headed off the rushing cattle else the lad would certainly have been killed one of the men in one of my missions was a judge remarkable not only for his ability but for his upright and rigid impartiality a case was being tried before him in which the community were much interested the prisoner was very unpopular among the people and every one was anxious that he should be convicted though there was a strong doubt of his guilt at the close of the trial the prosecuting attorney ended his address something like this the people expect a conviction in this case and they demand that the prisoner be found guilty and sentenced to the extreme penalty of the law they will be satisfied with nothing else at the hands of the court and the jury whereupon the judge remarked gravely i know a case which happened long ago in an eastern land gentleman where the voice of the people was practically unanimous in demanding the execution of a prisoner and they so worked on the feelings of the judge that he sentenced an innocent man it was of course necessary that i board around on my visits to different places the hospitality of the people was always generously and freely given 
too generously sometimes in fact for they frequently never left me a moment alone sometimes after spending the day with me my hostess would excuse herself upon the plea of urgent household demands and say something to this effect but we won't allow you to get lonesome here's little johnny aged three he will entertain you which meant that i was to play for the rest of the day with little johnny i used to long for a chance to get lonesome some time in one other particular the hospitality was not enjoyable and that was when the piece de resistance of the menu was chicken it seems to me that i have had chicken three times a day for a week at a time this statement is probably incorrect as to facts but it serves to show the impression left upon me after the years that have intervened it was frequently presented to me with the remark that preachers always liked it especially the yellow-legged kind yellow-legged chickens not preachers be it understood if anything could make chicken unpalatable to me beyond the mere fact that it was chicken it would be the thought of the yellow-legged kind it seemed to me that i had chicken scrambled fried soft-boiled and in every other possible shape chicken to the right of me chicken to the left of me chicken before me chicken behind me chicken chicken everywhere and not a drop to drink which is a mixture of metaphors or something but let it pass as it was in a prohibition state i wondered sometimes that i did not turn into a chicken myself i think i could write a feeling essay on the prevalence of chicken in the diocese of x once in a while fortune was kind to me and when i would make a visit to a new town they would have meat whereupon i never failed elaborately to express my gratitude at the absence of chicken the news would soon be disseminated among the people of the community and chicken would be conspicuous by its absence from every table where i was a guest in that town but if i struck chicken on my first visit i had it forever after when it was not chicken it was usually ham i remember one little town i used to make in which a rather curious thing happened i was entertained of course at a different house on every visit on my first visit i remarked that i did not drink coffee since coming east i have learned to do so with other bad habits i have acquired on my second visit my hostess remarked you do not drink coffee i believe no i said i do not on my third visit to another house the same question and answer passed i was more surprised but said nothing until the conversation had been repeated five different times then i ventured to ask an explanation when the remark was made i replied no i do not but may i ask who told you mrs biggis answered my hostess who is mrs biggis well said the lady waiting until the maid left the room she is the only woman whom we can secure for domestic service in the town everybody who entertains you has had her at the same time to help while you were there she knows what you like and has told every one mrs biggis and i met frequently after that at different houses and became fast friends she was a wise old woman and always staved off the threatened chicken one day i was visiting a little mission where services were carried on by a lay reader just before the service a note was brought in asking prayers for a little sunday-school scholar sick with typhoid fever 
after the service the lay reader and i went over to the home of the little lad to see him his mother who had been deserted by a drunken husband lived with two little children in a two-roomed hovel it would be an insult to architecture to call it a house it was winter again and the front room was cold there was no fire in it and the woman with her children was in the other room the kitchen the little lad about six years old in the last and lowest stages of typhoid fever was lying upon an old dilapidated sofa a little baby girl about two years old was dying of pneumonia on a soiled pillow on a rickety boston rocker the broken but uncomplaining woman sat between the two the picture of despair weeping the silent bitter tears of ground-down poverty and sorrow we did what we could to comfort her and as we walked away i said to the lay reader that the children would undoubtedly die and if he would let me know i would try to provide for their funeral expenses oh, it is not necessary he replied promptly my people who are all poor like these have contributed a little fund for just such emergencies as this that woman there has never failed to make a weekly offering to that fund and we need no outside help oh the generosity of the poor how it counts and what it means to god and man i was preaching and asking for missionary money once before two different congregations on the same day the next day brought me two contributions one was a check for one thousand dollars this was in the east from a noble and generous woman who was as kind as she was wealthy the other was an assortment of petty coins amounting to thirty cents from a blind woman an inmate of an iliomazonary institution who had no income of any kind save what accrued to her from the sale of some useless articles of her own feeble handiwork which she disposed of infrequently to the curious who chanced to visit the home this thirty cents was all she had made all that she was likely to have for a long time i valued the one gift no more than the other that was not the point of view of a certain treasurer of a congregation i once knew the confirmation class which was presented to the bishop was a very large one but most of its members were young and those who were not were poor yes said the treasurer in response to the rather enthusiastic comment of the minister yes it is a nice class but i do not think we will rent any pews in it the same man speaking of an unusual congregation at an evening service said to the same minister yes you are right it is a large congregation but there is no money in it i was preaching about missions another time urging the congregation to make some sacrifice for the missionary cause and indicating to them several methods by which they could follow my advice among other things i suggested that they refrain from purchasing any book which they very much desired and donate the money to me instead for my missionary work i happen to have perpetrated a book myself footnote i have perpetrated several since then you will therefore understand my feelings when a very bright woman in the congregation came up to me and handed me a dollar with this remark i had intended to buy your book and read it mr brady but i have concluded to follow your advice and give you the money for missions instead i accepted the situation gracefully and the money gratefully and told her that i would lend her my own copy of the book to read 
she smiled and thanked me and as she did so i voiced my thought in this way but after all mrs r there does not seem to be any sacrifice on your part in this transaction for you have the happy consciousness of having given the money for missions and yet have the book as well no sacrifice she replied why i have to read the book speaking of that book a fine old clerical friend of mine read it and after complimenting me upon it concluded his remarks as follows well archdeacon there are several dams and a hell or two in that book of yours but after all i thought it might well go into the parish library whether as a frightful example or not he did not tell me there is humour everywhere even in so staid and conservative a document as the journal of a diocesan convention with its dry parochial statistics one report i recall was accompanied by a note like this the parish has added four acres to its graveyard and hopes for a large increase in its revenue from that addition End of chapter six